the Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles when away. Arrived, we found the we have a, electricity line here described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Morning. Cup of murder. During the mid-1960s, those living in the slums outside of Mumbai were living in fear. They carried weapons and swung at the slightest sound as they attempted to protect themselves from the monster living amongst them. On August 27, 1968, their fears were finally lifted when one of the most prolific serial killers India has ever seen was finally arrested. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. From 1965 to 1966, at least 19 people found themselves bludgeoned, nine of which to death, by an unseen force that lurked in the night. Police, on alert for anyone suspicious, picked up a man named Raman Raghav, who they had seen loitering around. They looked into his background, and other than a criminal past that included five-year prison sentence for robbery, there was really nothing that indicated to them that he was the man responsible for the attacks. He was let go, and for a while, the attacks seemed to cease. Then, just as everyone started to feel safe again, these attacks seemed to randomly pick back up in August of 1968, when a series of pavement and hutment dwellers were bludgeoned while they slept. There didn't seem to be any rhyme or reason for these attacks. Everyone from slum dwellers to suburb transients to stray animals. Anyone without a home was a prospective target. He attacked at night when the streets were dark and suspicion was low, and once he was done, he would lurk back into the woods. To him, anything that moved was a potential victim, 
and people were simply objects to smash. He used blunt objects, like a steel rod, to reduce humans' faces to severed heads and unrecognizable flesh and broken bones. This time, when the attacks picked back up, police still had the name of the man that they had brought in a few years back, Raman Ragoff. Thus began a manhunt for the man who had no address. Parks and streets were emptied as the sun set and nervous residents armed themselves with sticks to patrol the streets. Unfortunately, this led to a lot of mistaken identity, and a few innocent beggars and homeless men were assaulted by well-meaning members of the community. Thankfully, with the help of an investigator and two respectable witnesses, Raymond Ragoff, a man with many aliases, was finally caught on August 27, 1968, and brought in for questioning. As he sat there tight-lipped, the men noticed his clothing was both extremely muddy and covered with bloodstains. He was fingerprinted and, for the time being, could only be connected and charged with two murders. But investigators were certain that he was responsible for many, many more. He told them that he would not speak no matter what methods of torture they used. For weeks, he remained silent. That was until Raman made a strange request. He wanted a helping of chicken curry. And once investigators handed over the plate, he was more than happy to answer anything they asked. His victim count soon went from just two to 41 over the span of three years and took the police force on a citywide tour to show him how and where he operated. One of his many victims was his own sister, whom he raped and murdered. When the trial began in 1969, the defense attempted to declare Rahman criminally insane, that he was not of sound mind when he committed the crimes and should not be held responsible. Raymond pleaded guilty, and a doctor for the defense claimed he suffered from chronic paranoid schizophrenia. Despite this, his sentence was death. But before confirming his sentence, the High Court of Mumbai ordered that the Surgeon General should create a special medical board to determine if he was truly suffering from a mental illness that diminished his responsibility. This board met with Raman on five different occasions for two hours each time. In the last meeting, when one of the members reached out to shake his hand and say goodbye, he refused on the grounds that, as a representative of Kanoon, he could not touch someone belonging to the wicked world. This was only the first of many strange things Raman revealed during his interviews. Though they determined he showed no sign of organic disease, he believed that there were two distinct worlds, one of which was the Kanoon, and that was the one he resided in, that people were able to change his sex and that the only reason they had not already done that was because he was Kanoon. He had the unshakable belief that he was power or Shakti, that people were trying to put homosexual temptations on him, and that having homosexual intercourse would turn him into a female, that he was 101% man, that the government brought him to Mumbai to force him to commit criminal acts, and that there were three branches of government and that all three were trying to persecute and tempt him. With all of this out in the open came a reduced sentence. He spent the rest of his life in prison, being treated by a mental institute, and in 1995, he died of kidney failure. Years later, an Indian filmmaker produced a short film about Raman Raghav's life. Though it was initially intended to be a thriller, when meeting with the psychiatrist who examined Raman, he changed the plot to explore the mind of a very sick man. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear a terrible thing happened on August 28th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon 
or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again, and have a wonderful day.